Thank you, Tim, and happy Christmas, everybody. It's great to see you here today on Christmas Day. If we've not met before, my name's Graham. I'm the vicar of the church. And I want to think today a little bit about travelers and gifts. Um, many people in our church are traveling at the moment. In fact, one of our church wardens flew to Thailand overnight last night. Uh, others have traveled to be with family, with cars or trains uh, and bags laden up with gifts that they're taking. And I've no doubt that some of you here today have traveled from somewhere else to come and be here in Hoxton with families or friends, or maybe you're going to travel after Christmas. And uh, the reason that we heard that little reading about the visit of the wise men is, of course, they were the first people who went and traveled and left their homes with gifts uh, at Christmas, that very first Christmas. But before we get into that, um, just in case you've forgotten any of the nativity story, we're going to do a quick little rehearsal about what was going on and who was there that very first Christmas. There's a little aid memoir here for you. Uh, we had a crib service at four o'clock yesterday and we rebuilt uh, the, the, the crib telling the story. Jesus is an incredibly prodigious child because on the very night of his birth, he's standing and walking. It's amazing. But I mean, if you can walk on water, then I'm sure you can stand as a newborn. Um, it's quite cute that way. I've never seen him like that. Uh, but I think that was thanks to Rua. I think Rua stood him up that way. So that was lovely. Uh, so w would you humor me for a moment for a bit of Christmas uh, frivolity? And would you stand up if you're able to? And um, there were lots of different people at the stable uh, in Bethlehem that very first Christmas. And we're just going to remind ourselves, and, and, and if I do my job right today, you will never forget this. Uh, even though you may die of embarrassment as well. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind us of the people who were there, but we need to make some little sounds and actions to help us remember who they are. So when I say shepherds, okay, you're going to go, meh. Okay, should we try it? One, two, three, shepherds. Meh. I mean, this is all age fun. All the generations can do this. Uh, when I say wise men, you're going to go, hmm, stroke that beard, hmm. We don't actually know, but well, they probably were men, but magi, kings, men, whatever they were, wise men. Hmm. Um, if I say Mary, you're going to say, Mummy. Just imagine that your baby Jesus reaching out for Mummy, okay? Mummy. Okay, one, two, three, Mary. Mummy. Uh, same thing for Joseph. This is pretty simple. When I say Joseph, you say, Daddy. One, two, three, Joseph. Daddy. And when I say angels, you go, Okay, one, two, three, angels. As I said, you're not going to forget this. Um, so I'm not going to rehearse the whole nativity, but let's just remember that on that very first Christmas, Mary Mommy. and Joseph Daddy. <laughs> had to travel to Bethlehem uh, because a census was being taken, and they had to travel from Nazareth, where Joseph Daddy. lived, uh, and he went with uh, the young woman to whom he was betrothed, Mary, Mommy. and they traveled a long journey uh, to get to Bethlehem. And uh, when they arrived in Bethlehem, as we oh, haven't done actions for the innkeeper or anything like that, we could probably do it or something, but we won't do that. Uh, they, they found a place where the baby Jesus was born. But there were some other people who heard the good news because some angels <laughs> appeared to shepherds, <laughs> while the shepherds, <laughs> were watching their sheep in the field. These shepherds, meh, washing their socks, no, flock, watching their, whatever they did, um, were greeted by the angels. 
who sang glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. And the shepherds, meh, were astounded and amazed. And they hurried to Bethlehem to see what had happened. When they got there, they found Mary, mommy, and Joseph, daddy, uh, and baby Jesus standing and walking, prodigious talent. And um, the shepherds, meh, were amazed. And the angels, sang for joy. Uh, a little later, some wise men hmm, traveled from the east, led by a star. They didn't have angels to guide them. They followed a star. And when the wise men hmm, arrived at the stable, they presented their gifts to Mary and Joseph. Daddy! Uh, and they probably had a little bit of a chat with the shepherds. But who really knows? Thanks so much. You can sit down. Uh, so I, I wanna, I, I've, got my, I've got a three-point talk today. Three, two, one. Really easy to remember. Okay, uh, three first. It's a countdown. Three is for the three. We read, don't we, that there were three wise men or three magi or three kings. But who really knows? Because actually the Bible doesn't tell us the number of magi or kings or wise men, whatever we want to call them, who traveled. It simply tells, them, tells us that they presented gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And because there were three gifts, we infer three people. But we don't really know. Um, but I want to use them as a jumping off point, thinking about travelers and their gifts following a star. And to think about three stars that might lead us somewhere today. So I wonder, can anybody here see a star? Great, Otis, come and, come and point to a star for me. Go and, go and find a star, stand by it, point to it. Great, do you want to go and stand right by it for a second? Do me a favor, thank you. Can anybody else see, and that's Otis, you've spotted my second star, so that's brilliant. You hover there. Can anybody else see another star? Hannah, great, can you go and stand by it? Thank you. Well done. Everybody turn around and look at Hannah. Hannah, wave. Shepherds. <laughs> Seeing if it's like Pavlovian, whether I can get you all to do it. Um, and can anybody else see a third star? Jarry. Jarry spotted it first. Jarry, up you come. <laughs> You've got to be careful when you point, you see. You never know. Right. Okay. So Jarry, Otis, and Hannah have successfully identified the three stars. Wonderful. Let's give them a round of applause. Well done for spotting the stars. You can sit down again now. <laughs> the first star I want to talk about is the Star of Bethlehem. The Star of Bethlehem, which led the wise men hmm, to the stable. And the star shines in the sky leads the wise men. And I suppose every time we come to Christmas and we remember that star and maybe we look out on a starry night, it can remind us that the one who flung stars into space was born upon a starry night, perhaps, under a starlit sky. I find the whole story of Jesus' birth extraordinary when you stop and think and reflect for a moment on those words from John's gospel about the word becoming flesh, that the very one who created the stars. Stars, of course, we know are suns in their own solar systems around which other things orbit and revolve. Most of the time in our lives, we think that the world revolves around us, but actually it doesn't. As we know, we are in orbit around our sun. But the true sun, the true center of all things is the one who made the stars 
who established and hung each one of those suns in its solar system, who knows them each by name, as it says in the prophet Isaiah. And yet he came to be born on earth under a starlit sky. John Donne, the former dean of St. Paul's Cathedral and famous poet, described it this way, immensity cloistered in thy dear womb when speaking of Mary. Immensity cloistered in thy dear womb. The star of Bethlehem reminds me that the God who made the universe did not stay remote and distant, but came and was born under a starlit sky. The second star, Otis, where is the second star? Just tell me again, where is it? It's over there. What's it in front of? And what's it, what's it leaning against? It's leaning against the cross. Brilliant. Which is exactly where I wanted it. Because the second star in my Christmas imagination this year leads me not to Bethlehem, but to the cross, to Jerusalem, to a hill outside Jerusalem. Because this boy who was born, Jesus, grew up to be a man who would die and rise again, who would suffer for the sins of the world, who would make peace for us with God. Christmas always points us forwards to Easter. The angels proclaimed that, that Jesus would be born to be the saviour of the world, to save people from their sins. Yeshua, a version of uh, Joshua. God saves. Jesus was the one who came to save. And how did he save? He saved. He saved us by offering his life, his humanity. He took up all of our brokenness, our disobedience, our rebellion in his own body and offered it, a sacrifice on the cross. He offered us, as it were, a blood transfusion, giving us his perfect uh, unstained, spotless blood so that we might be reconciled to God. So the second star points us to Easter and reminds us that Christmas is a wonderful celebration, but it finds its fulfillment. The incarnation finds its fulfillment in Easter at the atonement. And finally, the third star. The third star, just turn and look again. I couldn't hang it right above the door, but it's by the door. Why? Because in my Christmas imagination, the star not only leads me to Bethlehem, to the place of Jesus' birth, the star not only leads me to the cross, to Jerusalem, to Calvary, to the place where Jesus made peace with God for all the world, the star also leads us out from here to proclaim the good news, to tell others. The people walking in great darkness have seen a great light. Those dwelling in a land of deep darkness, upon them a light has shone. The entire intention of God through history was to bring all women, all men, of every age, ethnicity, culture, religion, creed, and background into the knowledge of his saving love expressed through Jesus. Those of us who call ourselves Christians have a commission and a task to follow the star out of these buildings, not just in at Christmas or on Sunday, but out again to go and share good news in what we say and in what we do, in how we live so three, two, one. The first is three stars. The star of Bethlehem, the star of Easter, the star that leads us out. The second, briefly, is about two truths upon which you might want to reflect and meditate this Christmas. There are two great truths that I've been reflecting on these past few days. One is, as it were, the truth that can be comprehended and seen and grasped the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I can perceive 
Jesus. I can conceive of a man who would walk and teach and perform miracles and healings, and I can respond to those teachings. I can appropriate that. I can follow the wisdom. It's a truth that has been made accessible to me. It's wonderful. God accommodated infinity, eternity to our human frail uh, form so that we could encounter him and meet him. What a gift, what a gift, a truth that we can perceive and we can follow. But there's a second truth. There's a second truth which evades my grasp because it's beyond my comprehension. This is a truth to which I can surrender, I can yield. A philosophy, a worldview, a religion, um, the way the world is, all of these things I can comprehend and I can grasp. I can bring them within my reach. I can rationally choose what I assent to and what I dissent from. But there's a greater truth. The word became flesh. But before the word became flesh, the word was with God and the word was God. And this is a truth beyond my comprehension, beyond my grasp, beyond my understanding. But it is a good truth and it's a truth to which I can yield and surrender, trusting that that truth is good. So two kinds of truth. The first truth, of course, is contained within the second truth, but the second truth cannot be contained within the first. I cannot yield and surrender to a truth which I can conceive of, grasp, comprehend, and understand. Reflect on that. Seek the greater truth, the truth to which you can surrender your life in full and certain hope that that truth will guide you, lead you, and sustain you. So three, two, one, three stars, the star of Bethlehem, the star of Easter, the star that leads us out. Two truths, the, the lesser truth, I suppose, the gift of truth that we comprehend and understand, and the greater truth to which we yield and surrender. The word become flesh, a truth that we can see and touch and listen to, and a greater truth, the word that was with God in the beginning. And finally, one, one hope. We might place our hope in all kinds of different things. Going into 2024, many of us are hoping and praying for peace in the world, for greater justice and equity amongst the peoples of the nations within our neighborhoods and internationally. Many of us are hoping for uh, resolution and real change in the climate crisis. Many of us are hoping uh, for an end to enmity and bitterness, racial prejudice, sexual violence. All of these are good and true, but I have found over the past 30 odd years that the hope that sustains me year in, year out is the hope which came to meet me in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the hope that will keep me going week in, week out, when the nights are dark, when the news is grim. So I want to encourage you in 2024, find the hope of Jesus Christ. Go read the gospel. It's easily available. Just type in Gospel of John into Google or, or whatever it might be. Seek that greater truth. That, that greater truth has accommodated himself to you in word, in flesh, in scripture, in community, in actions. And yet there's an ineffable, deeper truth beyond to which we can yield, in which we can place our hope. And that truth is the word become flesh, Jesus Christ. Three, two, one. Three stars. 
to Bethlehem, to Easter, and out these doors. Two truths, a truth you can comprehend and a truth to which you will yield. One hope, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.